So I'll just start speaking. Um, so basically, before we start the podcast, I just wanted to give a trigger warning to some of the things that we're going to be talking about. So um, certain topics you might hear us discuss are sexual assault, um, intimate partner violence, rape, physical violence, and violence against minority communities. Um, so we're going to go around and introduce everyone because it's been a hot minute since we've done a podcast. So my name's Sezin. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, and a mental health check-in, I'm doing pretty good. I feel like Thanksgiving break was very good for me to just relax. And now I feel like I'm ready to take on finals. So yeah, um, I'll go. Um, I'm Chandra, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I think same, pretty good now. Um, I didn't realize how much I needed the Thanksgiving break, especially because we haven't had one really at all That's since August. Um, so yeah, yeah. My name is Maria. Um, I use pronouns she, her, hers, and I mental health check-in. I'm it's my birthday on Wednesday, twenty first. But um, other than that, not too good. But like just because of finals. So, but the Thanksgiving break was very much needed because I have legit not had a break at all. So it was good to not do anything. Sometimes you just need to do that. Um, I'll go. I'm Sloan. I use they, them, theirs pronouns. And um, I would say definitely Thanksgiving had some ups and downs. Um, glad to be back on campus for sure. Um, mental health wise, just happy to be here. Um, we could be doing better, but we're here. So finals are coming up. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and I'm Haley. I use, I use she, her, her hers pronouns um I cannot speak today that's where my mental health is um happy to be back but also very tired and just ready for the semester to be over so yeah felt that okay so we're gonna get started um just before I read this next section just want to preface that um we're gonna be talking about domestic violence awareness month that month was in October just but just due to like the hecticness of the semester, we weren't really able to film until now, but we still want to talk about it because it's an important topic. So um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month um, became a recognized month October 1981, and it was observed as a day of unity started by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Um, and people usually wear purple to represent a community against domestic violence during this time. Um, and just in case you've not really heard of the term, uh, domestic violence is, quote, the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, threats, economic and emotional and or psychological abuse. And that quote comes from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So just to go over some terminology you might hear um, in this podcast. Uh, there's a difference between like calling people who've experienced domestic violence victims versus survivors. Um, you'll hear a lot of debates about this pretty much anywhere you look for these terms. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really all about personal preference and beliefs. Um, listen to the people who've experienced the domestic violence and let them control the narrative as it's their experience and you just wanna give them back their autonomy. So for the sake of continuity in the podcast, we're, we'll be referring to these people as survivors. Um, so domestic violence is um, a lot more common among women of color with four out of five indigenous women in the United States um, affected by domestic violence 
with homicide being the third leading cause of death among younger populations of indigenous women. Across 71 selected urban cities, 506, there were 506 cases of missing or murdered indigenous women. Um, 128 of those were cases of, of missing indigenous women. 280 were cases of murdered indigenous women and 98 were cases with an unknown status with a median age of those women being 29 years old. The, the lack of media attention that this has received is, is a stark contrast to the Gabby Petito case, um, especially because indigenous people in Wyoming, which is where um, her body was um, unfortunately found, people's whiteness affects media coverage and often overpowers events that are just as important to cover. However, Gabby Petito is also an important topic to mention as she was in an unhealthy relationship with her partner, Brian Laundrie. Her case is reactionary of journalists to cover a hot social media topic, um, not saying, not to say our uh, conversation about this or journalists covering it um, are deeming either the missing or murdered indigenous woman or Gabby Petito more or less important than the other. But it is important to note that white people in similar events are covered more um, prominently on news outlets than on non-white centered events. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about um, domestic violence, just some statistics about LGBTQ people um, and men as well, because those kind of, especially men goes under talked about, underreported. But 54% of trans people have like admitted to being in abusive relationships and 61% of bisexual women have been stalked, battered, raped uh, by an intimate partner in their lifetime. So these are kind of, you know, scary statistics along with 29% of black trans people have been coercively controlled into a relationship or in a relationship. Um, and Continuing the statistics, 15% of men have experienced dating violence. So all of these are just really hard statistics to hear about how kind of the proportion of people who experience domestic violence. Um, here it says that almost half of men have experienced some sort of psychological aggression by a partner and of rapes that are on men that were committed by someone they are known to their survivor about 29% of um, them were by an intimate partner. And two in five gay and bisexual men will experience an intimate partner violence in their lifetime. And going back to black trans people um, being coercively controlled in a relationship, I also wanna talk about the extreme amount of deaths that um, occur for Black trans people. Um, it is one of the, I think, leading in trans deaths. The majority of them are Black trans women. Um, and this also plays into domestic violence as well. Okay, so I want, I'm going to talk about kind of recognizing dating abuse and what it might look like because there's a lot of different forms of domestic violence in general. So not the most obvious one, but physical is when there's like bruises being shown in very specific or odd shapes, like a handprint or something, someone flinching with physical contact, 
um, seeing the potential perpetrator be violent or aggressive with their partner. Those are all kind of like signs to show that there's some sort of abuse um, occurring as well as emotional. Um, the survivor might be isolated from their friends and family. They might be secretive or scared frequently. And I think this one's really important because it can kind of happen, I think, also. I think the scary thing about some sorts of abuse um, is how to kind of see, a lot of people may not know what's happening to them because they could be like blinded by like the relationship or blinded by like who they thought they were with or that this is like a normal thing. So I think emotional like abuse is very hard to like overcome, especially kind of like dating, not dating young, but like I think a lot more people don't aren't as aware of it when they're younger and they're like first entering relationships. Um, so those are some like signs I think with emotional abuse because it may not be as overt. Um, and then sexual violence, being forced to have sex when they didn't consent to or being forced to have sex without a condom, without consent, or if one of the partner is like really drunk um, and didn't consent to it, um, that's also a form of sexual abuse. And so domestic violence doesn't just affect physical health and wellness, but it can also affect access to income, mental health, child welfare, and more. Um, and the system currently in place isn't equipped to handle the amount of domestic violence being reported um, because I think one, it does go underreported, definitely. And that could be due to being scared to report it or not even knowing it's happening. Um, so I think that's really important to recognize, but just knowing that the system we have, it's very hard to support people who experience this. And as you can see, many, many people experience this and especially marginalized communities who are already dealing with other difficult um, things. And like uh, Maria touched on, it, domestic violence can really take a toll on one's mental health. Um, you know, those who experience it often ex uh, experience you know, shame or guilt, fear, isolation, low self-confidence or self-esteem, like the list kind of goes on for, for anyone who experiences it, um, no matter their gender. And you also talked about like underreporting. A lot of men don't really report their domestic violence because of the stigma in society and the way they feel like they're going to be perceived. Because, you know, men are often supposed to be perceived or supposed to be strong and physically stronger than the woman, emotionally stronger than. The woman in the relationship so they're afraid of you know afraid of reporting that at, because they're afraid they're going to seem weak by society and also I read about how sometimes when they went to report um, they were threatened to be arrested or even arrested or even ignored by the police so it's it's a real problem that I think more people needed to discuss, even in the report or the studies I was reading, they were acknowledging how there is such a lack of research and studies about, about this. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point. And like, just kind of speaking on that a little bit more, I remember I was just scrolling through TikTok and like, I guess there's this new trend now of like, I guess people are trying to like open up about their like sexual assault experiences on social media. And I think that's really great, but like, I don't know, it just really sucks because I feel like the only times that I've seen it so far, especially in our generation, it's been like like a self-deprecating humor type of thing. Like like you were saying about like 
men being sexually assaulted. I saw this one TikTok that a guy had created and was like, basically just joking about how he was like assaulted and pushed down by this girl. And I think that's a really good point of like, there are these like terrible standards that men have to be like physically or emotionally stronger than non-men. And like, that's just gonna cause so many issues. Um, but also something Maria had mentioned earlier that I thought was really interesting was that like, um, how it's not just like the physical health that domestic violence can affect, but also just like everything else. Um, I spent some time working at a, like a battered women's shelter back in Jersey. Um, and it was a really eye-opening experience because I worked with the legal team and just like putting together pamphlets for people looking to kind of like take charge of the narrative and like sue their partner who had like committed a crime against them. And it was just super interesting seeing the facility and seeing like, like you had said, like it was catered towards women and it just sucks because like, yes, it's phenomenal that they have those experiences and like they're able to like go to somebody and like have an entire like safe house for them to take their kids to and like be able to get like tutoring for their kids. But it's also it is a conversation to be had about like what facilities are being offered to men who maybe comparatively might not experience as much, but that doesn't mean it's not a serious thing to talk about. Yeah, back home in uh, Nashville, my high school partnered with um, this place in Tennessee that was kind of like a women's shelter, helping women get back on their feet, providing them with jobs, many of whom had experienced domestic violence. Um, and uh, I got to, I was able to learn a lot about it, uh, visit where they worked and they, they make all these candles and soaps and everything. It's called Thistle Farms. It's great. They have great products. Um, but they do, you know, there are these like wonderful places like Thistle Farms available for women who are experiencing these things, but there's just such a lack of resources um, and aid for uh, men who are experiencing this. I also noticed while I was working at the shelter yeah. that there were a lot of children who were there and I just some like did anyone have any stats about speaking to children being exposed to domestic violence? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I was looking also into the effects that it has on children who experience this. You know, I found that about uh, in between 10 and 20% of children in the United States are exposed or experience domestic violence every year. Um, and it can create, you know, a lot of you know, emotional, social problems, even physical problems, um, mental health problems, uh, stuff like aggression, depression, anxiety, lower academic um, performances, and it can even affect the other children that they are around, um, was the one study I was reading about. Um, it even went to say that uh, children who have like an, an increased exposure to other children who have witnessed or experienced domestic violence ended up having significant, like a, a significant decrease in their math and reading test scores, which I thought was really interesting to learn about. I did not know, know that. Um, that's really interesting. I was thinking like, as you were reading those, kind of like, I wish, I don't know if there's, there's probably research out there. I just haven't looked into it, but kind of like how children who maybe were exposed to it young, like how they are, like when they get in relationships, I'm just curious to see like 
how it could I feel like it could go kind of like certain ways depending on how the situation was with like who they were exposed to and how they were exposed to it and like what came of it because I think it could either be like not a beneficial thing but like a definitely like a learning moment young but then I also think that it definitely has way more um emotional effects and like definitely things to overcome when like getting into some sort of like dating or any relationship I feel like it would definitely take a toll on like how they express themselves and also like how they um like I guess not treat someone else but like I think there's definitely probably studies that kind of look at that um I just think it's hard because I feel like some of those behaviors are hard to like measure in a sense um but I think that would be interesting I want to look up that like once we get off the podcast because I think that'd be really interesting I also feel like if they're like normalizing this is just my ideas um normalizing the behavior that they experience normalizing that domestic violence thinking that that's what love is and then go into relationships and just continuing the cycle of experiencing these things because to them that is what love is yeah no that's what I was like thinking exactly with how it was handled like if the relationship or whatever um domestic violence they saw if it wasn't really uh like talked about I feel like normalizing that would just be a thing that would happen for like the children exposed to it whereas maybe if they see someone getting out of like a domestic violence situation they would maybe like have more of an understanding of why it was wrong rather than normalizing it so I feel like that would be that could be something that affected it how they saw it happening or how it was handled this kind of leads back to like what Chandra was saying about supporting people and having that support system to get through domestic violence situations, um, whether it's for yourself or for other people. It's all super important. Obviously, mental health is a big one, um, but there are plenty of resources out there within the GW community, within the DC community. Um, I know we all come from different places, but um, looking up your hometowns uh, domestic violence hotlines also super important just for like hometown friends or if you find yourself back there um, in need of support those are also really good to look up but I'm just going to go over the ones that um, are most accessible within DC and the DMV area um, and so we have the national domestic violence hotline and their number is 1-800-727-3244 it's one 800 seven two seven three two four four when i was doing the the research for the post on the instagram post for speaking kindly with kyo follow um, on us on instagram we're on instagram plug. guys um, <laughs> um when i was doing the research for that i remember seeing a couple of numbers that were a little bit different that were tech specific so if you can't be in a safe space to make a call um, to get resources or to get help, then you can um, maybe send a text because it's a little bit less like obvious. Yeah, or conspicuous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're, um, the person might not like be able to know yeah, as, as well. Yeah. I used to also see those like, I don't even remember if it was on TikTok or where it was, where like people would call the police and pretend they're ordering a pizza. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's a really good one to do. People have gotten like really creative, which sounds like terrible to say that we need to be creative about how we call in emergencies, but 
doing that or like there's the hand signal where you like put your thumb in and then you cover your thumb with your um the rest of your fingers and like that's a sign of domestic violence in situations that like you might be like in a more intimate setting and make a signal with your friends before you go out yeah I mean like people have like those code words you could text your friends basically like help me right now yeah (laughs) we've done yeah I think someone says like chorizo I once heard that's like so random but yeah it can literally be anything one of my friends has like if you text um like a certain emoji I think it's the 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 girl with her (sighs) arms crossed yeah like if you text like that then she'll kind of work come up with like a a longer like a slower play solution to like get you out of that situation but if you text so like a, a turtle one or something or like I don't know if it's switched I think I know what you're talking about yeah it's like an immediate like I'm gonna call you crying I'm gonna get you like out of That's that crazy. situation like as soon as possible and it's, it's um she's one of my teammates and it's one of like the first things that we talked about was like one of those situations like those awesome. kind of things just you know camaraderie is fun. I think I saw a TikTok about that <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it's definitely not like a just her thing but like just having those plans and and talking to your friends to like know how to yeah having a plan reminds me of do y'all remember when like the angel shots went around i was just thinking about that sloan literally so if you have a bar if you're at a bar angel shot it's like angel shot and then you could do like on the rocks and then the yeah Or yeah you know yeah, yeah. Like, like there's certain variations yeah. of it if we can find it i'm sure we can like repost it on instagram or yeah, yeah yeah text 1-800-787-3224 if you would like to call someone you can call 1-800-799-SAFE which is 7233 there's also an option for you to chat on the uh, National Domestic Violence Hotline uh, website, which is thehotline.org. You have the option to chat someone. um, And there's also an option um, to start like a text. Text the number 88788 uh, and text start. And so that's just for the National Domestic Hotline, Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, there's also within DC, the DC coalition against domestic violence, um, as well as local women's shelters that can provide resources and a safe place to stay while escaping domestic violence situations or DC's, uh, safe victim hotline, which is 1-844-443-5732. If you're on campus and experiencing domestic violence, and or um, experiencing a medical emergency, you can call eMERGE, which is, shout out to Susan, um, 202-994-6111 or call 911. Um, and just know that like, if you or someone else that you know are is dealing with a situation like this, um, just let them know that you support them, that you're here for them, you hear them, you believe them, and that you thank them for sharing and acknowledging um, how you recognize that this must have been really difficult for them to come forward and to um, acknowledge like what is happening to them. Uh, Having words of affirmation and encouragement that you are actively listening um, to what they feel comfortable sharing is also very important within these um, safe spaces that we wanna create uh, amongst each other. Um, So just being sure that with you, um, recognizing that it can be difficult to leave a pattern of abuse 
um, both emotionally and physically, um, and also recognizing that that there are safe spaces that they can be in with you and that you are a safe space for them. Um, and we already talked about this a little bit, but battered U.S. women are 75% less likely to die when they don't leave their abuser. I think that's just, like, I put that to highlight the fact that it could be really hard for somebody to leave. Um, uh, because if you think about it, like, it's possible that they're more likely to die because the abuser comes after them or they don't have the resources to survive. So that's why that specific statistic is in there, just to kind of conceptualize the fact that it is going to be hard for somebody to leave their abuser and just recognizing that there's a lot of strength and a lot of risk in doing that for them. Yeah, like earlier I texted you guys or texted you all about um, my friend who posted a video today of an ex-partner who was trying to get um, into her apartment building, um, get up into her building, post she posted a video of him repetitively trying to enter um, the code to the door to get in, call up to her apartment to let to get him to buzz her in, um, to buzz hit uh, buzz him in, excuse me, and also stole her mail, ripped the um, mailbox unit of her apartment like off the wall, and was so mad that he couldn't get in that he totaled her car. He he inflicted so much damage on to her car that it was totaled. It was like a 2017 Jeep. Like it was not a not a car that needed to be fixed. Yeah. And not a car that it was in bad condition and it was totaled because of what he did. So like this statistic kind of demonstrates that I was around when they were together and I never saw him be any kind of violent any kind of way like that like I I'm not totally surprised by the fact that he could get like this, but that's because I saw him jump to anger far too quickly at me. So I'm this statistic kind of demonstrates that when they're together, the there's less likely there's the violence. It's really just like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Yeah. And like I think that's just what the statistic is trying to say is sometimes it's unfortunately safer to stay with the person that you know probably won't kill you if you stay with them versus someone you know is going to get extremely angry and violent if you try to leave. But Marie, I think you had something to say as well. So I want to pass it on to you. No, yeah, I had something that's very similar to Chandra's um, example, just to kind of like reiterate how frequently like this occurs, even with people that are similar to our age. My sister, um, she had a friend that had a similar situation where they were very toxic and like they just ended things and um, he basically like he came to their like apartment when they all weren't there, like broke in, started pouring stuff all over her room, like all the stuff, broke a doorknob like when they were fighting. Um, he egged, he threw eggs at her car and slit her tires and like all this stuff um, going on. And I was asking my sister and I was like, is she going to like press charges like it's so hard to like know when someone's telling you these things and obviously has been with a person for a while and she was like saying she's probably not going to so I think I also was going to say something about with like with supporting people who come to you and are like open about things it's also important like not to pressure them to do anything because they may not be like mentally ready to like be not be done with it but like a lot of times 
it takes a while. And like when someone decides they're going to leave, they will leave, but not pressuring them to do that when they like aren't ready yet. Because a lot of times people really have to like come to terms with what's happening and like get themselves out of the situation. And yes, you should be there to support them when they decide to do that. But I think it's important to like definitely be there to support them and listen to what they're saying and not necessarily tell them to do anything if they're not ready to. Yeah, exactly. And Sazan said um, at the beginning to, to remember to give people their autonomy back. Like a lot of these situations strip people of their autonomy. And the example that I said, like everyone's on their own timeline and they'll do it when they're ready. The example that I mentioned earlier, that happened in June and it's almost December and, and she's just coming forward with this now. So everyone, it will happen. People just need to be ready on their own time to do it. That's not like not feeling pressured, not feeling rushed. People will start to, to be more secretive and, and keep things to themselves if they feel like um, you're not gonna be a, a safe place for them yeah. to go and for them to talk um, about what's going on with them. Cause Definitely. yeah, because it's, it's, I've experienced that too because I wanted, like my best friend was in a situation that was really, really, really toxic and, and really, really virgin. Yeah. Oh, honestly, not even virgin, was straight, like emotionally abusive. And every time I try to get her to leave or to go or whatever like she just ended up running back straight to yeah. the guy and she also started keeping some of the stuff from me and our friends because she knew how we felt she knew what we wanted her to do and us pressuring her like it wasn't helping and it was making everything worse because she was losing the safe place that she had yeah. um so I just want to echo um, the importance of giving someone their autonomy and letting people take their own time. And also it's just listening and not saying, not being like making the decisions for them. It's best if you do this. It's best if you do this it, you, and you need to do it now. But listening, saying, what do you think is best for you to do in this moment? How can we move forward rather than kind of making decisions for someone who's going through this? Yeah. I think also asking like what, you can do for that person in that moment is also super important just because um they might not know they might answer you like i don't know what i need from you but just knowing that you're there for them should be enough and will be enough um because everyone is going to process things differently so knowing that they have someone to turn to um at any point in time um is going to be super important um, so then moving on to a couple of things that you can do to help some more, um, if you find yourself or another person that you know in the situation, it's best to have an emergency safety plan, which um, involves figuring out some resources that you have and that you will that you would need in a situation like this. So if there are pets involved, um, whether you need to find food, housing, um, major documents like a passport, if that's um, needed to, if you needed to go somewhere, um, considering having separate accounts from your partner, so that way you can be self-sufficient, trying not to um, consolidate all of your assets into one bank account is super um, important just so that you have, like we said before, your own autonomy um, monetarily, but also so that way um, you have what's yours. Uh, yeah, because you should have what's yours. Um, 
having phone numbers, having the phone numbers that you'll need, AKA your local domestic violence shelter and the police and any other um, specifically, like if we're talking about GW, if you wanted to have eMERGE, um, having that in your phone also, or having that number like memorized. On the back of your G World card for mm -hmm. GW students, they have eMERGE on their medical services as well as mental health services and sexual assault. Um, stuff so on the back of your g world yeah and that's super handy to have um so please get your g worlds <laughs> i know a lot of people who don't have their g worlds actually um finding someone to escort you to a safe place like a friend police or a family member if you don't feel safe walking about campus um or around the city by yourself um due to a situation having someone to escort you is always good um or being someone that is escorting someone else is always good um, not telling the partner uh, you were leaving quickly or leaving quickly, that you, not telling the partner that you were leaving, AKA leaving quickly. Um, if you are injured, seek medical help, have a backup plan if your partner finds out you were leaving. Um, if you have to escape quickly as a result of sexual assault, do not shower so that way you can do a rape kit afterwards at the hospital or um, clinic, wherever you end up going have a plan and rehearse your escape before you do it. Um, and I know that those, that those are some tough um, topics to talk about and extremely um, just really difficult to like bring up and think about, but those are situations um, that we should be having these conversations around and should be looking um, into more often than not. That way everyone is being safe. Um, and then also supporting legislation that promotes um, gender equality, investing proactively in gender equality initiatives, safe sex lessons in school, and a strengthened healthcare system that supports and, and can accommodate for survivors. Um, all of these things are on a very grand scale, um, but will help not only you in the long run, but also any family members that you might have that are younger than you, um, that might grow up with these initiatives being part of their everyday lives versus something that they have to actively fight for. Um, but then also just keeping everyone safe that at the end of the day is what we want most. Yeah. We just want to thank everyone so much for listening. And, um, another reminder, another plug for the Instagram at speaking kindly with Kyle. Um, please follow us. We post, um, resources and different, uh, posts about different holidays. Um, yeah. Also just like shout out Sloan. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. Yeah. <laughs> So excited to be here. All right. If that is all, um, thank you for listening to this episode. We were so glad we finally got around to recording it and have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Bye.